And now a short piece from Connor Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. Was that home improvement? That was, the le- that was also Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah. Did you see the one with the dinosaurs wearing the shoes? Yeah. yeah. What are those? <laughs> Give me a look. Welcome to the Rod Squad, the internet's freshest. No, I can't do this decree. <laughs> Welcome to the Rod Squad, the internet's freshest Twilight Zone podcast, where six college students take you through the cult. Uh, I almost said the cult internet classic. The cult TV horror classic. Today is a big day. It's our first official episode with new co-host, Jamie. She's, uh, she's joined, contractually obligated because she won the, uh, the guessing of the twist last week, so. Yeah. You're stuck here, you're not allowed to leave until you lose against Rick. Please help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you say that's a wrap for you? It's rigged. It's rigged. We do have... We have live music tonight. I'll uh, I'll let Connor. Do you know the John Cena band? Don't play it yet, but we need to know the John Cena. Okay, I know. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll figure it out during a splicey's place. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we got live music. We got all of us. We're ready to roll. As always, I am your host Ben, and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts. I'm Jamie. Connor. Corey. Ashley. Tabs. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be a lot of that happening stop, tonight. Yeah. stop licking so everybody it's been a couple weeks since we last recorded what like two maybe yeah. Two, yeah. Weeks. two weeks so not bad how has everyone been how was everybody's week mine was pretty right. bopping ashley and i went to go see annihilation the latest film from ex machina director uh Insert name here. Was that actually good? Oh yes, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think his name is like Alex something. It was refreshing to watch something scary that wasn't just jump scares. No, (laughs) I cannot wait to watch. It was great. There's no jump scares. There are like two jump scares. No, there's none. There is. I don't want to spoil anything. I jump very easily. You jump so easily. Someone could cough and you jump. That has happened. Any Twilight Zone Zone moments happened to y'all? Where are you going first? I, I live with Ben so Nice. Keeping it going. <laughs> Hasn't been funny Dream since week one. Nice. You know? yeah. Any other Twilight Zone moments occur? This one's an actual Twilight Zone moment. Um, so over last weekend, we had uh, my club fan had their big spring concert, which we had a lot of Native American um, singers and rappers. It was all Native place. American singers yeah. and rappers. And um, we got to, I got to watch some performers. It was really awesome. And so they started off with one of the girls in it. She was singing a song to like traditional much song, right? What? Like a traditional song? Yeah, yeah, no. It was, it was traditional. I think it was Lakota. I think she was speaking Lakota. And um, it was to like welcome her ancestors in, as well as like the audience's ancestors. And it was a really beautiful piece. But as she's singing it, um, there's doors by the side of the gym which you can't there's no handle on the outside so no one can open it from the outside and they're usually locked and she's singing all of a sudden the door just like slowly opens and then slowly shuts <laughs> you're just kind of like oh was that <laughs> I thought it was the cool. or did it just I don't, I don't know. know was it windy that day yeah, yeah but so it was incredibly windy the doors are locked is it was it, it was the end in the NPR, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, like, no, 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 no. It? it was in the, uh, was it, no. where we, Joe Jet was. Oh, the jam, gotcha. Yeah. 
I thought it was cool. Ashley thought it was creepy. <laughs> Tonight's episode is season five, episode sixteen, uh, also known as the self improvement of Salvador Ross. If we were a personality, we would be lawful good because we are saving the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to pick up, though? Uh, try one more time. <laughs> you, might, you might need to have this for every episode. <laughs> I try my best, really good. but my best is not enough. So without further ado, Mr. Serling, take us in. Confidential personnel file on Salvador Ross. Personality of volatile mixture of fury and frustration. Distinguishing physical characteristic of badly broken hand, which will require emergency treatment at the nearest hospital. Ambition shows great determination towards self-improvement. Estimate of potential success, a sure bet for a listing in who's who in the Twilight Zone. We open up this episode with, just like Rance McGrew, a nice old car peeling down a road. In this car is Salvador Ross, a 26-year-old man who is gunning for this social worker chick. Was that what her job is? Leah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's a big mistake. No offense, Rebecca. Well, you know, <laughs> social work, you know, you're not exactly raking you in the work big for bucks. the socials. You can't, you know, just care Working about somebody. No, get, your, get yourself a physicist. Why are you messing with a social worker? Leave him alone. Come on, Salvador. Who wouldn't want to mess with a biologist, though? Not me. I don't want to mess with myself. (laughs) Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. Uh, It's clear that she has previously broken off the relationship Mm -hmm. as a... He's trying to, the whole scene is him just trying to press her and be like, look at this car, and it's not yeah. mine, but look at it. Yeah, he, like, he kind of admits to stealing the car. Man, I love She PTA. was just kind of like, uh, no thanks there, yeah. bud. We, I want to actually hear, he, he's a pretty he's a pretty interesting character, so let's let him talk for himself about his stolen ride. Hey, you with a rich boyfriend. Just because I'm successful, that don't make me stuck up. <laughs> <La-la>. <laughs> Whose is it? Oh, just like that, it couldn't be mine, huh? Come on, whose is it? Well, it belongs to some guy, his name's Halpert. He's about 170 years old, and he owns half of Connecticut. So Leah is like, woo, oh, you are not the woo. kind of person I ever want to get with. And then Charles Xavier from out of nowhere <laughs> rolls on up behind them. This guy's straight out of the new X-Men set. Uh, just to make things clear, a uh, little post-edit post, post edit note here. It wasn't actually Charles Xavier. Uh, it was the the father of the girl that our dear friend is trying to hook up with. Didn't make that clear enough. He's bald. He's in a wheelchair. He's got telekinetic powers. Maybe. Unconfirmed. No, I actually can't joke about that because in the Twilight Zone, plenty of characters have, plenty of characters have telekinetic powers. Yeah. So he does not. Mute? mute. Like, boats aren't words? There it be. There it be. Oh. There it be. No, I'm serious, though. Cause there like, it be. He's made a good... He's, he's made a good connection. say boats aren't words. Boats aren't words. He's trying to tell about the boat. But the boat isn't words. It isn't words. Why don't they learn the way Father taught them? Leah, adamant in her, uh, adamant in her refusals of his proposal, uh, slams the door on his face and then out of anger he kind of he kind of smashes 
his Bless hand the against the door and then says something along the lines of why don't women love me and I immediately thought of r slash incels he's kind of a major creep Ross with his broken hand drives his stolen car to the hospital where he is staying overnight for a broken hand. You made it sound like his car was broken. You were taking him to the hospital. The car hospital. The yes. car hospital. hospital. <laughs> Otherwise known as Los Santos Customs. Yeah, why Why would you ever stay overnight at a hospital? Because they had a. to get the cast ready. They also had to get the cast ready. Maybe he just wanted... The thing is, he wanted to stay overnight. So, like... No, he didn't want to. No, that costs mean. money, and he likes money. I was just doing it to you. The cast wasn't ready. She yeah. had to do it to you. Because you know the, the nurse said that the doctor would get the cast ready tomorrow. Yeah. Connor, it is time for Encyclopedia Connor. Uh, something went... Hang on, I gotta pull it up. No, no, I need you to tell me how long does it take to make a cast. I, that's what I'm looking at. In the 1960s. Yeah, yeah, no, 60s. 60s. This was 1963. Because, like, today it takes 10 minutes. Yeah, it's like... How much has technology actually so advanced? So I, it, it sucks the first few years to... I know, because I, I, I had a pink Me one. too, dude. Uh, orthopedic cast on Wikipedia. I, I'm assuming it's a plaster cast. Probably. Thank you, Wikipedia, for sponsoring this episode of so, the uh, Send us money. <laughs> Send us articles. <laughs> want free articles on your free website. Wow, nice. Okay, that'll be under history. Yeah, yes, it would. There we go. Uh, Making connections. Shoot. Plaster casts. Typically, it can be. Uh, it's not set time, it's cure time. It, sh- it shouldn't take a whole night, though. 30 to 45 minutes. I don't think the doctor was there. I don't think it was. I don't Yeah, he I don't like know. clocked out at 5. But it was like. But it's like for ER. Like, yeah, in the 60s, ERs work the way they do now, I think. Yeah, I don't it takes that much. According to Google, I don't. I didn't see what website it was. It was just it's everydaycast.com. Sure, something like that. <laughs> it takes uh, thirty to forty-five minutes for plaster of Paris, which is the the material that the cast would have been made out of, to set. I feel like you wouldn't need a doctor to do that either. Like, yeah, dude. How? I don't know why. They and I have no idea why he was there, but that is what the nurse says. Okay, I do. Let's be- chalk it up to the Twilight Zone not doing research. I do because oh. they needed to move the plot along. Lucky for our unlikely abusive, terrible hero, he has a roommate, an old man who is clearly a hypochondriac. The old man was like, if I was your age, like, this would be not that bad. He's like, I'd rather have a broken hand than be sick. And then our boy goes, sure, I'll give you my broken hand, lol. And then falls asleep. And then the next morning, our hero is coughing, but the old man has a uh, broken hand. He's like, change it back. And then the guy's like, LOL, yeah. no. So, uh, Salvador realizes that he has a superpower that on the flick of a whim, he can uh, create trades that become uh, real real life property. It's going to be like middle school. Like, like I, Pokemon. I, I feel like... Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine. Do you think he knew about that before? No. No, there's no way. I don't know how he wouldn't well, have, though. I mean... Maybe that's how he got the girl. Well, breaking scenario. the hand. Gave him powers. But I we don't, they never make that clear. 
Well, I think that's the whole point of it, is they're not... Okay, well, he's in the Twilight Zone. Yeah. That's, yep, you, you can answer he, like, he kind of says it, like... No, um, but the Twilight Zone has defined properties, but Like, you, when he's in the hospital, he kind of, like, eggs on the guy. He's like, oh, yeah, are you sure you want to, like, trade here? Mm, no, I don't think he... I don't remember him really? on the guy, no. I remember the old guy egging on him. Alright. Yeah, I think... I think they just did not do a backstory. Or, like, they did just had too many plot holes. I think it was something that just kind of happened, he's like, oh, I can use this to my advantage. Well, like, I feel like you don't really go into a conversation ever in your life where you're like, oh man, I would love to trade this for that, and then someone going, yeah, sure, I'll trade that. I've done that a ton. I've never done that. You've never been like, man, I I would trade that in a heartbeat. But I never would have the person respond with, okay, let's trade. Alright, that's fair, that's fair. Like, you don't really hear someone say, okay, let's trade. I still think it's a bit of a plot hole. Oh, it's very circumstantial, for very circumstantial uh, mm-hmm. explanation. Uh, learning about the superpower, which again I think airs on the side of just plot hole city. Ross Probably. decides to step out on the town, meet an old guy. It's like, like he's the old guy he worked for. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, listen, I will trade you my youth for your money, and the old guy's like, that's hilarious. Sure. What's not hilarious is the next morning we see that Ross is twenty. Uh, is Ross is very old, but but very rich. Mm-hmm. He owns the company now because the bellhop kid comes in and is like, "Where's the old man?" And he's like, "Oh, he, he left went on vacation with some very young women, <laughs> with some young friends. young friends." He's doing some crazy stuff down in Mexico. Young friends. How young are we talking? Babies. Babies. <laughs> <laughs> He's just running an orphanage. That's really wholesome, though. <laughs> like, What's not wholesome <laughs> is Ross trading $1,000 a pop for a year of a life. Uh, I think it's fair. He got his, he traded his youth for a million coots and a nice penthouse. Yeah, no, he traded, though, like, all of his life, not... Not just I a year. Or just two. Like forty-six years apartment. of his life, yeah. Yeah, but that was the business too. Did he say that? Yeah. No, it wasn't the business. I think the guy owns the apartment building at there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And if you own one, you probably own a couple. No, he. It's not the business. Just the. No, because he said, "Aren't you the new owner of the business?" And he said, "Yes." Maybe then, yeah. Oh, maybe. No, he said, "I think new owner meaning new owner in the apartment." Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, like the new yeah. owner of Who that house. Knows? What I do know is that Oops. over a nice snapshot of scenes, Ross begins trading his a uh, one one thousand dollars for a year, and oh, it culminates in a cool scene where he gets on the elevator as an old man with a younger bellhop and leaves the <clears throat> elevator as a. Younger man. A younger man with an old bellhop. How how does it go that far without being like, you know, I'm going to stop trading my years for money. Also, every other you trade he's made t- has taken a whole day, but those were instantaneous. That was weird. That was weird. I, think, powers are I, think the, I think the elevator thing was to show passing of time, honestly. Oh, because no, I could, I could have... Like, no, because it was... The whole the whole bit was that he got on when he was old yeah, and got off when he was young. Maybe he I did think, it every day. I think the kid was agreeing to it though because a he was a kid. Like, yeah, if you if you like took because you have to remember that kid's probably not graduated school. Yeah. You're just like, hey, here's a thousand dollars for a year. Like, yeah. Maybe you get a little, getting older, but they're not getting wiser. Ooh. 
Trade, I would trade two years for $2,000. I want to be 21. Definitely. Yeah, yeah man. Right. What are you, crazy? Fuck me up. I would trade two years yeah, right now and then use that $2,000 to buy a lot of booze. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. What are, you, what are you, nuts? That's a great deal. Ross is now young. He's rich and he's well-spoken after a trade with a college student that was took place on a scene that was on the left on the cutting room floor. He impresses Leah enough for another date. Uh, however, not her, not her dad. However, by the end of the date, uh, she is again upset by Ross's personality. Once he pleads why, she tells him this. That never was the problem. Well, then what was the problem? He broke off with me because I was wrong. What kind of guy is right for you, Leah? Well, you tell me what kind of guy is right for you and I'll be that guy. It doesn't work that way. Well, I've got a Christmas morning surprise for you, baby. It works that way with me. I can be anything I want. I can buy anything I want. I wish I could explain it to you. It's not something that you can buy. You name it. <laughs> it's the kind of person you are. The things you care about, the people you care about, I'm not criticizing you. It's just the way you are. Ross is understandably upset, although it's not understandable because he's kind of a humongous piece of garbage. Not understandable, don't well, have a nice day. Well, he's like, the whole time he's like, but I'm rich, babe. And she's like, I don't he care. Also, I'm a... He also grabs her when he she tries to Yeah, he grabs her. He throws her against the, the most awkward kiss on her. And she's yeah. just like... Her eyes were wide oh, open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, we didn't even talk about the kissing, the way they kind of just engulf each other. Just... It's the Jamie, you're, you're new to the Twilight kissing. Yeah. 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 There'll be a lot of it. They always it. just eat each other's face. There's like, it's two, not a kiss. There's, face. there's yeah. two yeah. universal yeah. truths to the Twilight <laughs> Zone. There's the Twilight Zone kiss and the Twilight Zone sweat, and you've been indoctrined to both now. Mm. Coming, in, coming in strong, coming in hot. Previous to the date, as pointed out by my constituents, Ross gets in the face of Leah's dad, calls him a big softy, Says he's kind of a big old loser <laughs> for going to war one. and losing his leg. <laughs> he's like, you went to war and all you brought back with you was like broken legs and these things These to toys. And and he's, like, he's got like two Medal of Honors yeah. and like a German <laughs> pistol that he <laughs> obviously <laughs> took off a dead guy. <laughs> Stuff that's going to be worth like immeasurable amount of money <laughs> today. He would have served what, World War II then? Yeah, that's yeah. World War II. Yeah. And later... After the date, they have a conversation where he's like, "Listen, I will, I will pay you one hundred thousand dollars." No, it was more than that. Was oh no, one hundred thousand for for your compassion. I want your daughter to dig it. No, what he said was it's kind of difficult to explain, and then they don't explain until the very end. Yeah, what he did take was his compassion. Because because we see as the scene fades into the next one. Now he's driving his girl in once again a stolen car. Yes. Yeah. And he opens the door for her and he's like, Let's go talk to your father. Honey. They say I yeah. love you. And, and they like kiss and times. nobody really kisses these days. And uh, she's yeah. very happy together. And uh yeah, and then the greatest scene of all time happens. <laughs> <laughs> New dad who did <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Ross. Welcome to the Ross. 
Just like a trend from last week's episode, he whips out a forty-five. <laughs> no, he like that was a that was a German pistol. That was a oh, loser. Ross like begs your forgiveness. Yeah. He's like, oh, like, I used to think your daughter was this prize to be won, and now I see she's pretty cool. So like, can you forgive me for all like the stuff I did before? And he's like, no, I traded. Well, I, actually, you know what? No, let let him say it. So we have probably the best one-liner to date of our podcast history. Sorry, I traded my compassion yesterday. Publicashow. And the episode ends with a clearly dead Salvador Ross. Some can argue that the self-improvement was that he died. Rod, take us out. Salvador Ross program for self-improvement. The all-in-one surefire success course that lets you lick the bully, learn the language, dance the tango, and anything else you want to do, or think you want to do. Money-back guarantee. Offer limited to the Twilight Zone. That wraps up our plot for the night. Let's move on to general thoughts. Thoughts, but generalized. Oh, boy. It was like... It was, I think... It had a lot of potential, and then it really lost it for me, and now that we've discussed the plot, it's kind of sad. Yeah, there's there's a ton of plot holes that kind of have killed this episode for me. I think there's a lot of good discussion points, though. I think the concept was really neat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not not a tough episode, but it's not like... It's, it's not the worst. Like I didn't. It's nowhere near the worst. It's it's by no means a mute. What? Oh, is, is no. mute or worst? Is Our worst episode currently is "I Am the Night, Color Me Black." Wow. That was worse than mute. We had a two point two out of ten average on that wow. one. Our Gosh. highest episode was a passage for trumpet, and uh, I think five characters was close behind that. Ben, what not... were you saying? What about you said you were doing something about analytics this week? Oh uh, yeah, I was doing some analytics. Let me pull it up. So, I've been doing some analytics, and uh, our highest rated episode has been A Passage for Trumpet, 
with a rating of a 9.1. We already went over our lowest episode. But our highest rating for season-wise so far has been season three with the most consistent uh, the most consistent enjoyment What are the factors. episodes we've seen from season three? Uh, the Midnight Sun, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, and Showdown with Rance McGrew. So we're batting three for three on season three. This is a season two one. Season two is hot on its coattails. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, season two is probably our... Other than season five, season two is pretty low with... Uh, and we're not counting season four because we've only t- officially done a... Hold on. One episode. Hold on. Is The Midnight you. Sun season three? Yeah, or season, season two? three episode. Okay. Uh, we've done... Yeah, season four we're going to revisit soon. But I was just... That was just... I want to talk a little about analytics and kind of get Jamie caught up with what we've watched so far. You haven't missed much. <laughs> so, general thoughts. Back to general thoughts. I think it was good. I thought it was enjoyable. I think the nothing super memorable, but the plot holes killed it for me. What do you mean plot holes? Well, there's what what is the how does his deals actually work? They never go into that. It's in the Twilight Zone, baby. Yeah, but every other Twilight Zone episode we've watched that we've enjoyed has been heavily structured. You can't. It just feels like they threw darts at a wall. It's just like kind of. It's kind of like Mind in the Matter. But that made sense because he read the book. Like, he read the book, and then he learned... Well, it learned. doesn't show him how, like... How, like, it happened... How, like, what he did when he read the book. It's just, like... Yeah, it shows him. He's... He he's reading, he has yeah. A, there's a whole scene where he's eating, like, ketchup. And he's eating ketchup and he, He's reading yeah. the book, and he's, he, like, snickers at it. Yeah, because... And then his landlady comes in, and he's like, well, let's test it out. Yeah, there's... Oh, okay. Like, they definitely... Now, just from concentrate. A, <laughs> from a... From an objective point, I think this episode's a little better than The Mind of the Matter. No. <clears throat> That's going to be a hot topic for reading. <laughs> oh, I actually like that episode. I love that episode. I don't think it was, it was bad. It was the Twilight Zone I've ever seen. Like, it, it was not bad. It just wasn't yeah. Well, there's like this Was it really the first you've ever seen? Yeah. It was, like, it was pretty, pretty middle of the road. I've never seen... I thought you'd seen a couple others. Like, occurrence that I'll put you... That was after it. Yeah, I've no. seen... I saw that episode long before house. I knew you guys. Oh, Okay. Yeah, when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good. It's certainly more memorable than this episode will yeah, be. And it makes, yeah, it's a little more... And it's... it's Yeah. I just... I think this episode has a better flow to it. Yeah, I really... I really like the characters in this one a lot. I thought each kind of held its own. I felt that the dad was really interesting, especially with his, like, swerve moment at the end. Yes. Um, I liked that they painted the main character as not a good guy. Like, yeah, he, he yeah. was trying to get her, but for all of the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like, it, and then I liked how they kind of created her as an independent, like, woman. That was really refreshing. Yeah, and she's, yeah, she has no, doesn't want anything to do with him because she's not a gold digger. No. And that would have been an easy route to go down. Well, I think they wanted to hint that she was a gold digger until she, they, he was like, well, why don't you want me? And the whole audience is like, well, she's a gold digger, you know? And he's just, she's like, oh... Because I'm, you're, you're not compassionate. You're, you're you're the physical embodiment of a piece of dog s, which he was. He's a garbage man. That's a more appropriate trash, way to say trash it. man. He's trash. That's my character. I'm the trash man. I come out. I throw trash all over all over the ring, and then I start eating garbage. I think um, it has a really good interest, uh, like thing, yeah. like kind of the. If you look at the complexity of like human relationships, because they they have this really interesting dynamic between daughter and father, where 
he kind of, especially I think at this time, he kind of lets her do what she wants to do. But he still has like her best interests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's not. But yeah, it's but not it's like nothing like forceful. And it's no. not unhealthy. It's not like I want you to get with a man that has money because I want you to be safe. It's like mm-hmm. no, in, I want you to be happy. An episode that I will promise we will watch in the near future: black leather jackets. I um, love that episode. <laughs> in this so episode. The dad is just like in total control of who his daughter sees, and like yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it's it's very controlling. And another it's the episode of this. called yeah. "Long Live Walter Jameson" that episode that we're watching, means, watching well, black leather jackets is we're watching "Long Live Walter Jameson" coming up. But um, in that episode, the dad's also like, "Well, you're not allowed to be with this guy because I don't trust him." But this episode, it's it's we've hit two very feminist episodes back to back. I think this one's more feminist. Uh, I don't know. It certainly didn't... I don't think she was very strong. I think she just had a good but set of But he morals. was never rewarded for the way he treated her. Like, that ever. has nothing to do with her, though. And she kind of made her own decisions of to not be with him or to not... And even when he went to the father, the father's like, I respect her. Yeah, like, he was kind of like, yeah, that's not my decision. Not as a piece of property. Yeah. Well, that brings me to the first of four themes I wanted to talk about tonight. The first of four themes I wanted to touch on, the idea of utilitarianism and what makes a moral character moral. So, like, you know, so like, you know what? Who in, who is a more moral character? Because there's one guy going out for everything for himself. So in his mind, he's very moral. But I don't think we would consider him... I don't think he's not very moral. He's not doing anything moral, though. But for his moral code, he thinks he's like giving this life to this woman that she's never going to get with anybody else. He's he's doing her such a favor. Look, I'm not saying he's a good guy. Doesn't everybody always think they're doing the right thing? Yeah, you can argue that everyone has their own moral code. Isn't that isn't that the whole idea of utilitarianism? No, utilitarianism is um, like. Doing what's best for the whole society, for the, for the common like good. in like yeah. in deliverance. But I, good. I thought that was one kind of utilitarianism. <laughs> what you're just saying is not utilitarian. But I thought there's another kind that's like if you find a hundred dollars and you need it more than somebody else, then if you take it, then that's the greater good for everyone. That you, that's not the greater good for. Because if you look at a society, who needs the money more, a poor student or a rich man? You're doing what's best for the society, which would be the poor student. But if he convinces himself that he's doing what's best for the society. Which is him and her? Wouldn't that be? He's not thinking for the good. No, society. yeah, I don't think no. he's thinking yeah, for society. So what would that our, be? Main, our main character is not a protagonist; he's an antagonist. So what would that be? With that, it's just he's an antagonist. He's but he's a protagonist a to himself. Everybody is a protagonist every, yeah. to themselves, and that's no. what we're saying. So there's no real antagonists ever. Yeah, that's, well, there's no good guy or bad guy. You can argue that for everything. I don't know. I thought that the dad was. The death. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> That's standing, buddy. Before you go there, we might as well. Well, of course. But I mean, if you, if you, all if, you're, of, if you're doing what Ben's viewpoint is saying, then you can argue that anybody in World War II was the well, good listen, guy. Well, listen. I, I need Americans to... The weren't a good guy. We knew about the Holocaust and didn't do anything. I need so to preface can't. what I'm about to say with, I am Jewish. Which <laughs> normally... <laughs> oh, boy. Normally leads to a pretty oh, bad boy. thing. I mean, the majority of Nazi Germany was kind of brainwashed by what oh, happened, yeah, of course, yeah, but they thought Hitler was like a god, and to them he kind of was. Like he kickstarted their economy. He was doing things that that country hadn't seen in yeah. thirty years. He totally. was, yeah. apart from the whole Holocaust thing, he was a great leader. <laughs> 
No, honestly, like... He was a good leader. He yeah, just no, wasn't he was, a good person. Like a person. No, no, he was a really good leader. Yeah, and he did mess. And he did mess. So... So bad. <laughs> no. clearly, clearly a great guy. But I mean, we talked about it in my history class. We're just kind of getting off topic here, but like... Him and FDR kind of, like, without Mirror. the Holocaust and like that, oh, yeah, you don't no. include that, but if you just look at them as, like, two leaders of the country, they're very similar. They yep. both uh, jump-started a lot of social programs and, like, mm-hmm. kind of were very national. Well, that's the a, Autobahn uh, wouldn't be a thing without Adolf Hitler. Yeah. That's another thing I want to bring up is that, like... I'm sorry, what did you say? What the Autobahn. Autobahn. The Autobahn. Okay, yeah, the really fast I heard Columbine. I Columbine. We we think that Nazi Germany was like one of the worst things ever because we're like programmed to think like that because we won World War Two. If you know, if they won World War Two, a I'd be dead, and b <laughs> you would have never existed. Yeah, b I mean we would be we would be reading about how Hitler created like a new history is written by the victors. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, also remember that nobody nobody cares that FDR put. Japanese American citizens that never gets brought up. No, God, nobody cares. I, I had to write an entire paper about that because it's something that nobody ever nobody talks about. Knows. Winston Churchill is one of the most celebrated figures in European and British he was history. A he, he said was a he responded to the Polish hunger hunger strikes that if they want something to eat so bad, why don't we give them bellies full of lead? So he was gonna just march in it's there and kill funny. them. Yeah, it's a pretty good line. It's funny. He's kind of a terrible human being. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I think history is written by the winners, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, people use, people justify things all the time without taking into account that that uh, everybody has done things that can be determined as objectively bad. Yeah, so I don't yeah. think, kind so, of tying this back to the Twilight yeah, Zone, is like, I don't think you can argue he's a good guy or a bad guy, but I also don't think what you're trying to explain is utilitarian. I think it's right. more just ethics. Yeah, that's but probably a better point. So how far does moral ambiguity stretch? Because I think he's a pretty huge scumbag, but like... I mean, honestly, moral could, ambiguity could stretch as far as you want it to. Yeah. Could Literally you make the point that he is truly a protagonist because he thinks he has the best interest in mind for... Yeah, well, I mean, he well, would technically the argument. Yeah, because he's technically a protagonist because he's, yeah, he's, you know... He's trying to give right. her a better life. A story. Is he, though? Because, like... Most of the episode, he's focusing on himself. Protagonist is the main character. He's kind of going after her as like a prize of some sort. No, protagonists, I think, typically. Well, then antagonists. Yeah, protagonists are typically heroes. Antagonists are typically villains. Well, that's just the way that the because the antagonist because the the protagonist is the leading character. And the antagonist is somebody that's trying to stop whatever the protagonist is doing. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That's, that's the only difference. Yeah. In, the, in our world where I think a lot of media is very open and shut, easy stories to tell, I think the protagonist is generally more the, the hero. The protagonist, no, that's not in most well, no, he, cases. He's saying, I mean, like, in most cases. In most, in most cases. cases the, oh, I mean, that's oh, why... That's oh, why oh, generally, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's okay. why moral ambiguity exists. Yeah, it's yeah. because the protagonist can do bad things, but that brings up that whole conversation. Yes. yes. Was a good discussion. I think he's also or slash, like... I am very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I belong in that subreddit. Oh my god. You're right. <laughs> Every time we throw it. Alright, let's uh Yeah, it was um, really nice. Oh, I forgot what I was gonna say, it was important, but I have some more 
You just keep going. Discussion. You steamroll, because I, I forgot uh, what I was going to say. Going off that, <laughs> do we think that he's a sociopath? Yes. No, I yeah, think he's yeah. just abusive. I don't... He, that was extremely abusive tendencies. The way that he grabbed her, he didn't let her... He was kind of the things he said to, like, manipulate the father but as so, well as some her. some sociopaths and could be abusers. And the people that he, abusers. like, sold or bought stuff from. Yeah. We finna need to get my mother on this podcast just to school us on psychology yes. and social work. Rebecca Vlam for episode 20? Rebecca Vlam, Rebecca Vlam and Stephen Vlam have both expressed extreme interest in being a part of this for get a show. Get up here one day. Yeah, we can Ooh, Skype with them please. or something. But, um... Yeah, I think, but I think he's more of a sociopath than. I just think he's abusive. Well, what's what he, is the definition of a sociopath? Yeah, mm-hmm. Encyclopedia Connor. Oh, I, I have my phone out right now. Encyclopedia Tabitha. Did you say I'm literally majoring in this? Pretty much. This isn't my major. Sociology. I'm not psychology. I'm not getting a degree in being a sociopath. That was Ted Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) Never trust a college Republican. (laughs) Thanks, Ted Bundy. Uh, It's uh, antisocial personality disorder, a mental health disorder characterized by disregard for other people. I don't think think sociopath. A person with with a personality disorder manifesting itself in extreme antisocial attitudes and behavior and lack of consequence. Conscience, not consequence. I missed. No, I thought that. a psychopath. A, a psychopath, psychopath was more give, well, That was sociopath. Psychopaths don't they give like they don't have any regard for other people's emotions, just themselves. He would be more psychopath. of a psychopath. A person suffering from chronic mental disorder with abnormal or violent social behavior, and an, an unstable and aggressive person. Check. So maybe it's. I think it'd be. Yeah, yeah. I, the first thing I thought at the end was he's a psychopath. I, I mean, he's extremely abusive. Well, I don't know because he trades. He trades his actual personality at the end, and the first thing the guy he trades with does is kills him. Well, he no, has... he doesn't trade his personality. He he is given. He's giving. He's trading money for compassion. So oh, the right, man is right, losing right. compassion. So without compassion, you're you're kind of just. But that means he lacked compassion in the first place, or compassion in the first place, rather than passion. So. Well, yeah, he lacked it. So, wouldn't we clinically define him as, selfish. or maybe he just has a personality disorder that isn't? Yeah, defined. I don't think we need to go as far as like a socio or something. He's clearly a little. Disturbed. He's, he's no, he's no urge to kill her when she doesn't agree yeah. with him. He tries to change himself, yeah. which I think would. But he has kind no. Of void him he can. He, like, like, he has no disregard game, for anybody else. You know, he gives the old guy his broken hand because he knows he can fight off the cold. No, he didn't. He didn't really. I think you can't argue that because he didn't know at the time that he'd have that power. <sighs> yeah, but once he gains that power, I think the tendencies really set in. Because he's I willing. Just, I think I think psychopaths just a little bit too far for yeah. his character. I think he's a butthead. Because I think he's he definitely a butthead. <laughs> I think he was in love with the woman. <laughs> I think. I don't know if he was in love with her. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was, he was infatuated. Yeah. Yes. Well, she's a good-looking young lady. I'm what? sure he was more lust than love. I I don't think we can make that argument though, because we we didn't have enough about the characters or their yeah. past relationship. This is why we need every hour, every Twilight Zone to be an hour. Yeah. Well, the next one I have listed was entitlement and the economic boom of the 1950s, leading to a character like this. This sounds like a really well-developed essay. What? <laughs> Oh, stop it, you. <laughs> um, Our slush I'm very smart. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I just feel like this was kind of maybe a commentary on, you know, you see it on your 
right-leaning news sources all about how the youth of today don't know what they're talking about, and they're... In, the, in regard, what do you mean? Well, just like with the whole school, anything? this whole school oh, shooting whole thing coming out lately. Stuff. I was just watching, there was a walkout today in a few states, and all mm-hmm. the top comments were like, young people aren't... They're not even allowed to vote. Why the why the hell should they be able to tell us what to do about gun laws? Oh, they're hilarious. Why, yeah, yeah, so they're why should they have an opinion? Like, the country is going to be in their hands sooner than later. Right. Which I think is a... I think that is a manifestation of fear by the older generation that they don't have the same staying power. They can suck it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, hey. I think your, your argument with entitlement, I think that's a really good point, but I would say argue more like male. Like, it made me think of just male entitlement. What, male entitlement, yeah. Like, like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, he'd be a neckbeard, like, now. Like, that's yeah, exactly like, what I completely be. agree with that. Yeah, I think true. he was trying to push their relationship on her, and she was like, hey there, pal, I'm not really into this. And he was like, yeah, I mean, but uh, look at me. Yeah. yeah. And then look at the car. And then look back at me. Do you <laughs> Where see you what I'm missing? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's a. It was a great commentary on enti- male entitlement, yeah, for especially sure. with in in regards to a relationship with a, a woman. Especially because the '50s, at least, you know, coming from the perspective of like a white guy, yeah, is so no. is so like incredibly utopianized. I don't I, know if that's a word or if I just. I and just, I, think like, it's, I think it's I think it's He doesn't yeah, use power until he hits the door and says like. Why don't women love me? And then yeah. he hits the door. And Until that's he becomes physically violent. When he becomes physically violent, he's rewarded. Yeah, and it, while also saying a statement, which I think had a very... Like, I don't think Rod accidentally did that. Which would make sense, because he kind of sees her as a reward. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. the ultimate reward. prize to be won. Yeah, she's not, she's not a person. She's a she's just another stepping stone. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Hey, hey, hey. All women are queens. Did I tell you Steve Lamb's story of the week? My my dad didn't know what that meant. So my dad didn't know what that meant because I brought that home and I was just spouting that out because I knew it would upset my mom because you know she hates when I do stuff like that. And, and my dad was like, and my dad was like, oh honey, don't worry, you're just a fart. <laughs> Steve had no idea what that meant. Didn't he call her the greatest fart? Yeah, he called her you're the greatest fart around. He had no idea what it meant until she told him. <laughs> I think this episode Incredible. is a commentary on male entitlement. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree. Uh, and uh, the idealization of the white male's role in the 1950s. Yeah, and the objectification of women. Yes. The final theme I have listed is, uh, is gets a little spicy. We're going to get a little spicy in here. We're going to close the window. We're all going to snuggle up. Can we, it would get a little cozy. Kinks. Snuggle and with daddy. Kinks and sexuality in the 1950s. I, I don't think I would call it that. I would call it... Um, well, through Freudian's the, wet dream. Yeah, through the whole episode, <laughs> all we were saying was daddy kink. Over well, and over. It's, it's, it's exactly what Freud kind of said with the whole, like, Oedipus complex, where yeah. she's like, only if you were like my dad, I'd date you. Only if you were like my dad. And it's the whole theory that he had that women Everything tend is. to date men that remind them of their father. So yeah, I think that I think that I don't think that was what Rod had in mind at all. No, I think I think it was the very like it's a very Freudian ideology. I think he was implicating there. Well, I was like in deep thought thinking of something before before we move to the quality aspect of this episode. I think we need a little break from all of this big people talk, and that break lies in the WWE moment of the week presented to you by. Wrestling Encyclopedia, Friend and God. Corey. Hey, baby. Ashley, 
Actually, we just lost our job. You've been <laughs> replaced by technology. Oh, no. Technology. Corey, what is our WWE moment of the week? So, older fans of the wrestling will know of a man, a man with a million dollars, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And so, imagine we're at the Royal Rumble 1989. He drew all his number. It was not a very good number. It was in the top five, I think he said. Number I don't know. one, I think. He was talking to Pimp and Slick, a manager of other wrestlers. And he said, Slick, one of your boys got the number 30. Gimme. How, how much money do you want? And, you know, they conversed. And he got it. So, Million Dollar Man bought numbers, like, years for money. And he ended up losing. Really yes, that. he ended up losing he got that rumble almost immediately by the Macho Man. Just like Seth Ross, Salvador Ross, he got yes. he got eliminated. Total yes. elimination. But he literally got eliminated from life <laughs> forever. <laughs> forever. Life is just one real rumble, and I've entered at number two. <laughs> All right, and to follow up with that, Jamie, our winner from last week. What is your? Oof. Oof! Oh, that was Oof. bad. All right, let's try that again. What was your? Look. Oh. Lizard. Hopper. Lizard. Hopper. Lizard. No, they're boots. Oh, oh they're boots. boots. Yes. What? Boots. What is your? Oof! Moment of the week. Oh, Take oh, it away. There's so Jamie. many to choose from. Um, can I just have like a top three, or is that cheating? That's you fine. Need, you need some time. So, um... <laughs> number at, three. Coming in at number three is when our man's is in the hospital and he hits his splint <laughs> in the nightstand. It just looks like uh, the character from Ed and Eddie, Clank. Clank! <laughs> Clank. <laughs> Clank is actually in this, this film. Who gets oof? Sal or the wood? <laughs> Ooh. Oof. Mm. Oofing is in the eye of the oof holder. Okay, number, number two. two is when Sal hits his head. On not his head, his hand on the door when he's um. It's a lot of hand action. Nice guy rant. Ooh. 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 And number one. Um, one. when he just gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just like, that is definitely out of blue. Somehow I knew that was gonna be number one. <laughs> I like that he reaches in underneath the blanket. It's just like. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best part was, do you notice when he's at the door, his hands are like also under the blanket. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like he's like, like handling the gun and oh, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> this just in: Professor X wanted for murder. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about actual quality. I thought this episode had very strong acting. <laughs> I thought uh, Salvador. No, I was just like really confused. I thought Salvador Ross was a pretty good actor. I think he pretty much did a one-man show. There was... Excuse me. I think, the, I think the other guy in the hospital was a phenomenal actor. <laughs> his coughing that he didn't cover his mouth. <laughs> what a role. And, and the Oscar so goes, too. The shape of water. That's essentially that's essentially the quality of coughing into it into the air. I'm just kidding, Guillermo. I love you. Yeah, you're really like, like an old woman. woman. I don't know. I'm just kidding, Gamma. I love you. I love you, Gamma. I love you. You can come up anytime you want. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I thought technically pretty sound episode. They didn't. There was no. Go- I didn't see any goofs. No, I actually really thought the makeup on the guy's hand when he switched. You saw there was a little bit of blood. It kind of looked like a little bit of bone was showing. I thought it looked really good. I didn't. That ain't boneless. <laughs> no, you're, if you'd be boneless, you'd be dead. That happens in not with that. That happens in dodgeball. That's just happens in Harry though. Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter loses all the. And they just killed Roy Lockhart. I think I think that happens in Dodgeball. There's like a roller coaster accident, and he's like, "I'm sorry, your boyfriend has, has broken every bone in his body." <laughs> I I have really fond memories of that oh. episode that I'll talk about later. Episode isn't it or movie. There you go. I was I had the stomach flu one night, and me and my madre Rebecca stayed up all night watching Dodgeball and just hanging out while I puked my lungs oh. out into a trash can. Yummy. We were talking about Vince Vaughn how terrible he is. That's, Vince Vaughn. That, that's the best thing he's ever done. Dodgeball. Not Jurassic Park 2? Dodgeball. <laughs> Dodgeball. Uh, yeah, but just kind of... Dodgeball. <laughs> keeping it up. I thought I thought it was a really solid episode technically. Solid acting. And uh, other than the plot holes, I think that kind of screwed up the episode. A pretty fun and enjoyable, yet not memorable plot. I'm just, I'm just remembering his, his actions when he hits his hand. The plank, and he's just like, whoop! <laughs> oh, if, we, if we did a video, if we were doing video splices like OSW does, that would be how I would end the segment, which is him going, pop! <laughs> Bios and trivia. Who, who's the job going to? I, I, guess, I don't know. Bios and trivia! Maybe. Ha ha! We succeed. This was directed... I have to let you keep one thing. <laughs> this was directed by Dan Siegel. He is dead. Thanks. He directed the first Dirty Harry film starring, uh, what's his face? Gran Turismo guy. Uh, Uh, makes makes really bad movies that pander to the right. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. He also directed Escape from Alcatraz, which is a pretty famous movie, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, a cult hit classic. Did we watch that together? No, but we can. I think we did watch it together. This is one of two Twilight Zones that he'll do. Uh, we will see him later down the road. This is based on a story by Henry Slesser. This is one of two from him. And a teleplay by Jerry McNeely. This is one for one on his teleplays. Uh, Dan Gordon played Salvador. He is dead. He died last year. And uh, he was Cappy in Towering Inferno, which is a pretty famous film. Uh, this is the first of two Twilight Zones we will see for him. He is also in an episode called The Four of Us Are Dying from Season 1. So we'll see a pretty big... That's a really good episode. Uh, it's about a guy who can change faces. He also has a superpower. And uh, the four of him start dying, which is... It's a little creepy. Creep me out as a kid. Uh, Gail Kobe as Leah. She died a few years ago. This is one of three Twilight Zones from her. I don't remember which one she's in. And Vaughn of T- Vaughn Taylor as old man, the uh, the wheelchair bound human. He was in uh, what what is that word? He was in Psycho and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Both Who's of which. He in Psycho? Uh, I think one of the older guys. Well, thanks. I didn't <laughs> this is his first of five Twilight Zone appearances. Oh boy. We have seen him in a previous episode. One might say it was a lost performance. What would that episode oh, be? Horus. I, I, I like that one. Uh, don't you worry. We watched the season four one, and then I screwed up the recording, and it got corrupted. So then we will be watching that in the future. I like it. It'll suffered. be interesting because Jamie will have a fresh perspective, and we will be cynical pieces of dog. You'll dog be film. cynical. It's bad. Dog film. Dog. Dog film. 
Twilight Zone Companion. <laughs> Mark Scott Zickery's Twilight Zone Companion, Volume 2 Electric Boogaloo. He hated this episode. He thought it was garbage. And from unlocking the door to a television classic, a slightly racist remark from CBS's uh, CBS's old logbooks about who they hired. I won't go into it, but it's worth checking out. So if you have that book, read the entry and look for, look for some slightly weird stuff from CBS back in the early 60s. Uh, Martin Graham's Jr., Quotes pretty much everything, so it is not his. It is not his original word, but the word of the actual production studio. So he gets a bit of a free pass on the "you're a bad person" <laughs> radar. And he also nothing about this episode, so a very light trivia episode. Moving on to what ripped this off? I actually have put negative thought into this, but Ashley has always put thought into this. It's her favorite. So I think, since it's technically older, I think that this ripped off um, Oedip- the Oedipus story, the old Greek. Um, <laughs> this ripped off incest. No, well, yeah, the old Greek, the old Greek story of Oedipus. The Greek play that I love with all my heart by my man Sophocles. He was a hottie back in the day. Shout out to Sophocles. There's, no, we'll talk. We'll talk. So you know the Alexandria Library burned down. Yes. So like Which most hurts of the stuff me. was love. It hurts me too. Um, you have the Library of Congress. Stop whining. Stop. And so one of the f- only r- surviving things about him is that he was really attractive and everybody wanted to be with him. And he just wanted to be with his mom, clearly. No. Or no, dad. No. I don't know which way he's going now. Yeah, it was Greek. He's going both ways. I don't know. Nice. I don't know. Wasn't Sparta fairly, fairly open to... The most guys slept with their um, unit. Yeah, right. Because they only went home to make babies. That was about it. Nice. Um, I know that Alexander the Great was bisexual. He, was, he had so many gay lovers. Yeah, he, he... He also slept with a copy of the Iliad under his pillow with a sword. That's awesome. So if anybody That's went to come to take it, he would kill them. <laughs> he also died in a super lame way by getting a fever. <laughs> Loser. Yeah. He um, was a man. Anyway, uh, was a man. You are correct. I would kind of argue that this cool. this takes this is a very basic structured form of Tennessee Williams play, uh, a streetcar named Desire. I haven't seen it, so I can't. In a few of its themes, I read of, that three uh, years ago, and I don't remember. I was in that. I played Mitch. Congrats! Don't know who that is. Uh, he's one of the lead roles. Did you get well, to yell Stella? I did not get to yell Stella. Yes, I'm back on the acting stage, everybody. Congrats. Come see director's cut. It'll be uh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I think that the themes of kind of uh, what like men being perfect in terms of like being idealized and then really just being kind of drunk and drunk and abusive, you know, the whole the whole kind of exposing exposing masculinity for what it sometimes really is, which is toxic. I think. Uh, I think that this draws a lot of... It's like a very short and dumbed-down, supernatural, three-card named Desire. Anything else? Any any movies where somebody can strike a perfect deal? <laughs> neckbeards. Or slush neckbeards. Yeah, real-life real life connections. <clears throat> last last week, it was me. global warming. <laughs> this week, it's sad boys who are misogynistic. <laughs> global warming is fake. 
That will be cut out. <laughs> um, but anything. We support global warming on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we hate polar bears. <laughs> um, oh, I got really scared because I had no idea where that sound came from. Anything. Anything in the northern hemisphere of time? Uh, anything. Northern hemisphere of time? What? <laughs> Post this episode coming out and be the northern hemisphere because it's up. Ben, that's not how that works. That's not how time works at all. Time is a fluid, fluid drug. Um, Time is fake. Yeah, time is a social construct. Time is a construct. Anyway, any any new any new media media form about men being awful? Do you mean or like or or having deals? Kind of like the idea of crossroad demons. Yeah, supernatural. Monkey's fall. Monkey's well, this would ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because monkey's falls over. And uh. Robert Johnson's apparent life, maybe. He made a deal with the devil on a crossroads back in the early 20s to become the best blues guitarist in the country. They do a Supernatural episode about that. Yeah, actually. Or, yeah, or, or he just practiced, like any good musician. And then OD'd, Ooh. which might have happened. <laughs> like any good musician. And like any good musician. <clears throat> yeah, that was a really good Supernatural episode. Yeah. I like that episode. So I, I think I like the one where Snooki uh, cameoed as a and crossroad like, team and the exerciser. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, it makes sense now. Jersey Shore is back. It's coming back. Oh, it's yeah. always been. T- well, she's had her snow with JWoww forever now. Oh, yeah, her she, Snooki and JWoww. They had a show together. They had a show together. They no, it's oh, really? kids. no, yeah. it's like proper coming back. They're doing a Jersey Shore special with everyone. Mm-hmm. Like How? a reunion thing. I, they have kids. Like I'm sure they've well, calmed down a little. Are, well, what's his face as a DJ? A really popular DJ in this situation. Yeah. Oh, my parents. My parents. It was like their guilty pleasure watching the Jersey Shore. I wasn't allowed to watch it. I wasn't either, and I'm kind of glad because I would have lost IQ. I had no desire. All right, let's move on to ratings. Uh, I will go first, per usual. Oh. oh. I gave somebody's. I originally. Gave it a, I originally gave this a seven, and then I thought, man, this is worth a seven point five, and then I was like, no, this is worth a seven. So. I like how you cross the. <laughs> oh, by the way, this has a nine point eight on IMDb. I'm sorry. Really? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seven point nine. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, That's like, uh, which makes it the twenty fourth most popular Twilight Zone. Or no, sixty fourth. Excuse me, sixty fourth. Wow, Ben. All of those numbers. However, Ben, your maths are not quick. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mention this last week, but the Midnight Sun is. Much higher is the 16th most well-received Twilight Zone. So this is number 64. I gave it a 7. Let's go to our newest co-host, Jamie. I'm going to give it a 7 as well. Connor? <laughs> it's a solid 8 out of 10. As opposed to... God, your ear is really weird. As opposed to 5 out of 7. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's so mean. He starts at the bottom. He what? He starts what? at the bottom. Who does that? You start at the bottom of your eights? When, yeah. like, when he writes his eight, he starts at the bottom. We had a song about this in I first s- grade. It was like, you always like, start your ladders you at like the top. You always make the mess, and then... Sh- no, I start, I start at the bottom. I go like that. That's horrible. That's all I remember from <laughs> All right, Corey, <laughs> when are you going to rate this? <laughs> moral of the story is that starting your letters and numbers from the bottom is incorrect. This is not Corey. Stop playing the lick. Corey. Play it in a different key. 7.2. I'm just going to put you I was going to say 7.2. No, 7.2. Well, where is the point? If you can, If you can convince me that the point two is actually a valid... Because that's how I felt about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I was grading, I'd give it a 72%. Ashley? It's well, going to C-. I'm going to be the outlier here. 
I'm going to give it a four and a half. Ooh. I think it had a great point. Like, it had a great underlying story. I think the plot was a little empty. And I think that there's a lot better episodes than this that could portray the same thing. 6.3. Six. What? <laughs> We're getting weird numbers now. I normally give weird numbers. Yeah, you do. You, you are all over the place. Hey, man, I'm all about those decimals, okay? Woo! So, Ashley has thrown this episode under the bus. Sorry. That's okay. It, it, Who I am as a person. After, once we, once if possible, <laughs> once we possibly finish all 156 episodes, I'm going to make a comprehensive list, as well as a few graphs, based on, uh, Ooh, graphs. based on which season <laughs> we like the most. Oh, I can help with that. I have to do stats, so. Hey, good practice. Nice. All right, let's... It's time for my favorite segment, guessing what next week's episode, the twist, will be. We are heading to season four. Jamie, this is your first foray into season four. So the Twilight Zone, seasons one, through one, two, three, and five all were 30-minute episodes, but Rod wanted an hour-long episode season, so he made season four, and it is highly regarded as one of the... It, it is the worst season of the Twilight It was a mistake. Oh, <laughs> we're gonna, That's why it's not on Netflix. It begins. We're gonna watch The New Exhibit, which is about an exhibit, but it's new. Gosh, I love that new museum. Martin Lombard's sense a gentleman, Dick the dead... Sorry. <laughs> what did you say? Oh. <laughs> the decided oh. curator of Murder Row in in the Ferguson Wax Museum. Wow, that's oh, no. oddly t- topical. <laughs> he ponders he ponders the reasons why ordinary men are driven to commit mass murder. What Mister Mister Sensicu does not know is that the groundwater has already been laid for his own special kind of madness and torment, found only in the Twilight, the Twilight Zone. Can I go first because I might have to change. Yes. Did you say something about a jail? Uh, or in prison or something? Or did I just totally imagine that? You totally imagine that. So it's just a wax museum, though? It's a wax museum of mass murderers, and things start getting a little spooky, and things start moving around on their own. Hey, that's an American Dead What could the twist be? Who wants to go first? Connor, this is the time you should play the Jeopardy music. I can't focus. I'm just right, Ashley, you go first. first. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I th- think. It's Connor. It's enough. I think that. What, this is supposed to be in the 60s, right? <laughs> yes, this takes. This is 1962. Who were the mass murderers at the time? Uh, like. Who, Annie, whatever, who chopped up her family with the axe. She's in it. No, not Annie. That's Lizzie Borden. Yeah, Lizzie Borden is one of them that I remember. Um. Oh, so it's not uh, like Jack the modern the, time. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay, it's old. Jack gotcha. the Ripper is another one. I think. Uh, How is Jack Holmes? the Ripper one of them? They have no idea who he is. That's not Jack. Well, back in the sixties, they just imagined it was some white English guy. Well, because he was a white English guy, but that's no, the there's, there's How hard is it to make a white English guy? <laughs> anyway, I uh, think H. H. Holmes. I think. Is oh, H. H. Holmes is a man. Who is H. H. Holmes? He was, was America's first, first serial killer. He was the first documented serial killer. Was the, he the uh, one that had the hotel? With yeah. His wife, the he's, hotel? He's, he's not, a, not with his wife, no. no. He wasn't married. Well, well he, he killed a lot married, of his wives there. He threw, no, he didn't kill any of his wives there. Really? I don't think so. He, he has a very I think interesting story. he only killed story. one of his wives. I don't know. There's a documentary and we can watch it. It's really good. Cool. He's a very interesting Connor, please. So, okay. I'm going to say that what the twist is? Yes. So, he's going to... These 
wax people are going to come to life and be like, I'm Lizzie Borden, and he's going to find out that none of them actually did it or had some weird reason behind doing it. And so he's going to be like, oh, you know, like, serial killers aren't bad or something like that. Like, that's the twist. I don't know. That is incorrect. Cool. Jamie, you have champion's advantage, so you will go last. So that leaves Corey up next. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> there is, there was this wrestler who went by the name of Nails, okay? <laughs> and his gimmick was that he was a murderer, but he, he broke out of prison. And so... So instead of bringing him back... I predict this wax museum is actually in Wembley Stadium, where SummerSlam 1992 was held. <laughs> and the, the man who is guarding the exhibit is actually Virgil. Who was his opponent that night? Really? So I predict we're watching SummerSlam 1992. I thought you were gonna make a big boss man connection. He, I w- okay, never mind. Okay, scratch, scratch. <laughs> no, well, you, you, both we are, are watching fine. Survivor Series '92, <laughs> where the big boss man fought Nails. The guard fought the prisoner. <laughs> instead of just bringing him back to jail, they had a wrestling match. Yes, instead of Nails squashing Virgil, he is fighting the big boss man. Corey. I can't believe I'm saying this. You are incorrect. Right. <laughs> Did I say right, <laughs> Connor, you're up next. Uh, this doesn't sound really stupid, but uh, I'm sure it will be. I think it was, uh, can't be worse than what I just said. I like that you said. Uh, I just love the connection shoot. that you make. Gotcha. <laughs> so this dude is. Uh, it turns out like. He's moving. He's moving them himself, but he has like multiple personality disorder. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. And also wrong. Mm, Tabitha. (laughs) Yes. That was my theory. Uh, No. Um, Okay. So he's he works in a wax museum with all of these famous killers, right? Uh Somehow they're coming alive at night. And he's interviewing them? Is that what? Is that the gist? This is not <laughs> Mindhunter or whatever that show was. <laughs> but, okay, so, like, but... That's your piano, boss. What? Your, your piano is making that noise. No, it's not. That's coming from outside of the room. No, that's his piano. Is it the piano? That's his piano. There we go. Oh, that was weird. That was weird. Anyway, uh, reason. Anyway, one. yes. So... Is, is he like doing research or something? Like, I'm like asking a legit question. No. Like, so, I'm just play the Jeopardy theme. I need more time to think about this. <laughs> oh, my piano machine broke. Oh, yeah. Okay. We just uh, unplugged it. So, uh, he, he wants to know why they did the thing. He wants to know why he's interviewing them. The twist is he's actually insane. He's not really in a wax museum. Or he is. Maybe he's in a warehouse. I don't know. But he's actually in an asylum, and he's crazy. Okay. Yeah, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. It is time. To, I'm gonna let you know that someone is extremely close, but I will not reveal who. It's, <laughs> it's not yeah. Corey. So it's actually the Royal Rumble. It's, but you, <laughs> yes. if you are holding on to your champion for a third week in a row, you need to be spot on. Okay. So um, I think he himself either becomes kind of serial killer like or like he has some like serial killer tendencies or whatever and um either he becomes a museum exhibit 
himself, or he kind of takes people. Jamie is three is like spot on three for three. Oh my gosh! That's insane. Connor was gonna win. It was it was taken right from his hands. It was taken. It was grasped from his hands. Wow. Tabitha was a close third. <laughs> Corey was fourth. Ashley was fifth. Before we go, we always do a question of the week. Um, this question is, what trait would you want? It's a little bit similar to the question we posed in our pilot episode, what superpower would you want? But if you could take a trait from someone who is actually living, what trait would you want? I want to have endless wrestling knowledge. <laughs> you already do. <laughs> oh, darn. Well, I take it from myself. Say something like there's a video of Bill Gates jumping over a chair flawlessly in the late 90s. I want to take not, a bit. not his wealth, not his wealth, <laughs> not his knowledge. I want the ability to jump flawlessly <laughs> over a chair in the Microsoft Dude, offices back in 1996. In like business slacks and like a sweater vest. Yeah. And <laughs> like dress shoes. I want to be, I not only want to be that nerdy, I want to be. Well, no, I probably I was gonna say I want to be that white, but that, that draws a little. That's a little Whoa. spicy. I want to be that nerdy. I want oh, will to live. <laughs> no, well, I, you ain't getting it from anybody in here. No, I think like if I uh, if I had the ability to take a trait from anybody, it would probably be like focus and stuff like that, so I can actually like concentrate. Yeah. I was gonna say motivation. That's a good one too. I want to be able to. I want Manor Ferguson's high range on trumpet. So instead of doing this, I can do this. Oh God! Oh, don't, 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 don't do that one. Yeah, why would you want that? That's horrifying. <laughs> that sounds better, IRL. <laughs> All right. Well, that is actually the. Oh, actually. <laughs> I guess you're we gonna ask actually cash. make me cry. Oh. I hope you know that. Last um, but certainly not least, Miss Jumbelic. What I would is... love to have Matt Healy's aesthetic. Like, yes. I just want his aesthetic. I want his body. That dude is fit. He's a good-looking fellow. I want his fella. hair. He has nice hair. He does have nice hair.